Series 2, this is after the lockdown, episode 1 of the insane ramblings of crazy old men where we talk about the virus, of course. Kathy McGowan, Nicholas Sturgeon and Farting in an Uber. Here we are, the 26th of October 2020. When was the last time we recorded a podcast? Wasn't it May or something like that? Yeah, I think it's back in May. And obviously I know our listener in Aberdeen has missed us. Five months since we last did a podcast, and a lot has happened in the meantime. Has it? Has there been much going on? Well, autumn's come. I swept the leaves from the drive yesterday, but they've all come back again this morning. But I think that happens every year, so I don't think there's anything. Yeah, so that's, that's a, and I think it's got colder, but then that happens every year as well, doesn't it? <laughs> that's right. We've taken buses for a few walks, but again, that happens every year. So I suppose... Not a lot's really happened at all. Well, I don't know. I was intrigued that the other evening in Northern Ireland, an off-duty policeman was flagged down by somebody posing as a policeman. And he produced his supposed card. And, of course, it was spotted to be a fake. And he was arrested. It's quite interesting because the guy was actually Polish. Oh, for those people in Wales that are now under full lockdown... Um, just to let you know, I bought a pair of socks at the weekend, thinking of you all, as you can't buy stuff uh, of non-food items. Um, and I think Raymond had a... Didn't you have some information about Scotland? <laughs> for, our, for our listener in Scotland. <laughs> well, thanks for um, that segue. Um, <laughs> no, I can't think of anything in Scotland at all. Well, because that, that, they've got a sort of lockdown in Scotland, haven't they? Yeah, I think they have got a sort of lockdown in Scotland. They've got a sort of one in Ireland, a huge lockdown in Ireland. But I was going to ask you whether you'd ever heard of a man called James Mallet. Um, I've heard of a guy called Ted Mallet. Wasn't he a comedian? Oh, was that Timmy Mallet? Timmy Mallet, that's the one. Someone yes. like that, anyway, yeah. No, I don't think that's him. James Mallet is 35, and he was being driven in an Uber in an intoxicated state. And he passed wing in the Uber. Now, you wouldn't think that was too surprising, but he's been done for assault. And the, oh, brilliant. Uh, the driver, Alexander Bonchev, uh, ordered him to get out of the cab. This guy refused and, well, basically punched the driver in the face. The driver punched him back. And in the end, Malik was jailed for six months, suspended for 18 months for farting in an Uber cab. Not an auspicious start to autumn, really. And also, if you think about it, if you go into prison and they say, what are you in for? You don't exactly look like the top hard man, do you? And as well as that, who wants them in the same cell as you? Quick mention back to Scotland. The good news is, Nicola Sturgeon has said... There will be no restrictions on Father Christmases, as they're considered essential workers. Well, I'll tell you what is a nice bit of news. You've heard of Gaelic football, haven't you? It hasn't been played, as you might imagine, in Loyalist Belfast since the Troubles. And these two guys who were friends and they grew up with Gaelic games, they decided to launch the East Belfast Gaelic Athletic Association. And strangely enough, and to their surprise, they've now got 100 players from... Protestant and Catholic backgrounds all oh, brilliant. Yeah, all playing this Gaelic football. So in these days of difficult, strange things that are happening in our community, it's nice to see at least two factions of a community coming together on something. I think that's fabulous. And continuing the good news theme, some people are actually 
instead of whinging about all the lockdown and everything, are actually getting off their backsides and doing something positive. But the one I like is a lady called Tony Cassidy, a former police officer who quit the force to launch a children's party organiser. And I think she's up in Bedfordshire, not oh. far from her. And of course, the lockdown, if, if you're a party organiser, it's a bit of a handicap, that. But what she did, she took her party organisation online. And as part of it, she sends out party packs, pamper packs, which include chocolate face masks. I mean, the kids <laughs> would love that. And she's found that the business has rocketed, whereas before she was just doing uh, local stuff, you know, beds and hearts. She's now says she's got um, orders from like um, Aberdeen, where our listener is. Um, Plymouth, all over the place. It's spreading. Isn't that fantastic? Well, I suppose you could have a chocolate face mask when you went into Aldi's. And by the time you come out, you could eat it. Well, exactly. Hence, hence the phrase, you know, as useful as a chocolate face mask. firm advocates of wearing face masks and i have to say that i yeah that was before the pandemic <laughs> well i have to say i wear a face mask but i'm not quite sure why i'm wearing it apart from just out of politeness and just doing what i think is the right thing but as far as i understand the only mask that works are these surgical n95 masks and i know you'll disagree with me but the n95 mask knocks out about 95 percent of microparticles that come in but the fabric masks that the likes of you and i buy from the shop or the ones that you make and uh, have you you've been making face masks haven't you no i've been making faces and i wear the face masks you know whenever there's a handy bank robbery going on <laughs> well the normal face mask these blue and white face masks that you get only impede 20 percent of airflow and according to this woman called May Chu, a clinical professor of epidemiology related to Achu. Which university is this? Well, it sounds like Hong Kong or something. Yeah, no, it's the Colorado School of Public Health. And she's been doing quite a lot of work on these face masks. And as I said, they only impede 20% of airflow. And in terms of the coronavirus or antivirus, that just slips around the side of the masks and it makes the masks absolutely pointless according to her anyway. And in the Annals of Internal Medicine, I think you're quite familiar with that periodical. I thought it was the Annals. That's the one you know about, yeah. Yes. Well, in South Korea, they got these patients coughing into Petri dishes with and without masks to see what would happen. And they discovered that there's absolutely no difference at all and that the microspores just get through these masks. And before I finish, because I know you'll come back at me at this, Nature Medicine, in April, they had 426 volunteers. They got them to breathe for 30 minutes into this thing like an ice cream cone. And they captured everything that was exhaled. Now, 43 of these 426 had influenza. 54 had rhinoviruses. And 17 had normal seasonal coronaviruses. And they randomised the trial so that some of these people had masks and some didn't. And unfortunately, the researchers detected that there was no perceptible difference in what was found in the cones, whether you wore a mask or whether you didn't. I have to emphasise, these are non-N95 masks. I know you wear masks to the supermarket all the time, so what do you make of that? Yeah, well, I've been wearing masks to the supermarket for years. I think they're fantastic. If you cover your face up, what I've found is 
people don't realise how old and decrepit you are. So I'm a big fan. But on a serious note, even if they only work for 5% what you'd like them to work, if there's other measures you can take as well, like keeping farther away, the two metre rule is a generalised rule. Obviously, the further away you are, the safer you are. So it in itself is not 100% effective. And I think all these little things, if each 5% adds up, if you take enough precautions, you're going to be safer than you would have been otherwise. Don't forget what these studies are showing is that there's no statistical difference between wearing a mask and not wearing a mask. How true that is, I really don't know. And the other thing you've got to ask yourself is how dangerous is this virus? How long is a piece of string? Um, about that long? Or is it this long? I mean, what I do know is, according to figures, more people died in August from Alzheimer's and the other one, I've forgotten what it is, than died from coronavirus. So we need to keep it in perspective. But it is interesting, in the Southern Hemisphere, so Australia, South Africa and that, where they were wearing masks, last year, 14% of the population got flu, that's ordinary flu, this year, it's less than a half a percent. That's interesting. Ignore what I just said about face masks. It's a different virus, so it might be a different size or there might be other factors. We've seen, haven't we, in big cities like Berkhamsted, St Albans, obviously being serious, <laughs> London, Tokyo, all those. They wear face masks to protect them from pollution. So you wonder if the pollution is more important than the virus itself. Yeah, but pollution is made up of huge particles. And if you're wearing a face mask, then hopefully you won't get any through the face mask. We're talking about aerosol, nano-sized bits of virus, which are so small, you can't even see them with a microscope. A fellow goes into a chemist and he says, excuse me, I'd like a deodorant. And the chemist says, aerosol, he says, no, it's for my armpits. <laughs> heard of Kathy McGowan but no yeah well Rose McGowan she was big in the States she was on this big soap TV series she's also done a load of films and more recently she's become an activist for the Me Too campaign anyway last week she made a post on Facebook calling nice Mr Biden a monster as a result Facebook closed her account Uh, And there was all sorts of whisperings, conspiracy theories. So anyway, she mentioned this on Twitter and put question mark, was this the Democrats? And guess what happened? She got banned from Twitter? Twitter closed her account. So, mm, Facebook, what's going on? You need someone doing exactly the same for Donald Trump and see what would have happened then. Yeah. coronavirus fatality rate the percentage of the number of people who have had coronavirus or have got coronavirus against the number of people who have died from it so it seems a fairly simple calculation but the MIT in the state said that the COVID cases could be far higher than we suspect they reckon they could be 12 times higher than reported so when you're working out that percentage the 
worldwide mortality rate of COVID could be 0.3%. And to put that in perspective, Ebola is about 50% and seasonal flu is about 0.1%. So how dangerous is it? And then if you compound that, the interesting thing is that most of these other viruses attack everybody. But with COVID, there's about 99.99% of the under-24s. And the real hit, as we've discussed many times before, are the people over 70, really. Yeah, that's, that's interesting more. because um, I look at a thing, I don't bother looking at the World Health Organization because I follow Big Donald's recommendations that they're a bunch of crooks. But I follow a thing called Worldometer, and they obviously, as the name implies, collate data from all around the world, every country, from what that country claims is a COVID-19 person. And overall, the death rate, 4%. As I said, it depends on how many people have had the virus or have got it, and we just don't know in the yeah, population. Yeah, how accurate you are measuring it. It's as easy as juggling a box of frogs, isn't it? Well, that's right. You know, I tried that the other day, and I decided to save it to leap year. Anyway, Ray, what else is going on? Well, uh, there's this 80-year-old retired army major. I don't know whether you've heard of him. His name's Mike, Michael Stanley. It's not me. It's not you. No, I'm glad to hear it. They call him Major Mick. Maybe I'll call you Major Mick now in the future. And he's decided to make a boat out of corrugated iron, curtain hooks and hose pipes. Well, doesn't everybody? (laughs) The miracle is that it floats. And there's a picture of him here sitting in the boat with a captain's hat on and two oars, presumably made out of this stick. And he's trying to raise money for some Wilfrid's Hospital in Boston by rowing up and down some canal in Chichester. So well done, Major Mike. I I think that's fantastic. Hope he was wearing a life jacket. This lady called Katrina Parsons. Talk about good timing. Last year, she was made redundant by William Hill, the bookmaker. What were the chances of that happening? As a result, she founded her own business making matching dresses, swimsuits and party outfits for mums and their children. Of course, COVID happened and this died. Undeterred, she spied an opportunity and she's now creating loungewear collection and she's found a factory in Leicester to produce the jersey garments. She's taking on extra people because the demands have been so good. And she's launching a Christmas theme set. Isn't that fantastic? I must get a set. I thought you wanted a, a set of matching bra, knickers and face mask for Christmas. Yeah, well, I, I find that my, my face mask doesn't match my bra, actually. So it was an idea that occurred to me. But I think it's fantastic, that. Theme sets. You could get matching pyjamas for you and Buster. woman on an internal flight who refused to wear a mask and they had to pull her off and she was screaming we all die anyway and she's right of course you all do die anyway yeah eventually yeah but even us (laughs) yes quite possibly i think you might be dead already (laughs) 
Well, talking talking of flying, the good news for all these jet setters is the Boeing seven three seven Max. That was the one that kept crashing and killing people. Yeah, has now been approved by the EU for flights. Fantastic. Now, now that Boeing have done something, so how confident would you be to if you turned up at um, where is it you fly from? Bangalstown. Bangalstown. If you t- if you turned up at Bangalstown for your flight over to Spain to your villa, yeah, and they said, "Oh, by the way, Mister Knowles." You would be pleased to know you'd be flying on the 737 Max today. <laughs> what would be your response? I think I'd swim. <laughs> well, it is interesting because I think a lot of people are a bit dubious about it. And there's a couple of experts that have said some interesting things. There's a guy called Chelsea Sullenberger who, if you remember, landed a stricken US Airways Airbus on the Hudson River. Oh, him, yeah. After it had a few problems. And after testing the new Boeing in a simulator, he said that Boeing had not made enough improvements. And he thinks it's lethal still. Another chap, a chap called Charles Kennedy. Now, that name rings a bell, doesn't it, if you're a good liberal Democrat? Yeah. Well, this is a pilot, aviation analyst and author who's flown over two million miles. And he's already said Boeing's decision to add new sensors on the fuselage and revamp the autopilot does not change the fact that the aircraft is a Frankenstein's (laughs) monster. And basically his premise is, he said, Boeing took a shortcut and they used an old body design from the 1950s Mm. to put more powerful engines on it. And because these engines were bigger they were going to stick below the wheels so they move them up onto the top of the wings further up and because of that it causes the plane to overbalance and the safe feature is when it overbalances the engine shuts off so he, he says the design is totally wrong from the beginning and he says that he would never fly in anything as dangerous as that so well done Boeing Jesus um, congratulations to the EU um, and I hope you enjoy your flight from Bagnallstown. <laughs> Bing! Please fasten your safety belts. We're about to crash. 